Richard Simmons is suing a private investigator claiming he put a tracking device on his car. How hard can it be to follow Richard Simmons around? You need to actually put a tracking device <laughs> yeah, on him? He's not elusive. Yeah. He's not a snow leopard. Well, it's like trying to uh, put a tracking device on the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. <laughs> <laughs> you know when it's driving around. Yeah. When you see those striped uh, short shorts come out of the, the house, you, you know that's him. By the way, Wienermobile like? might be the name he actually uses for his car. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after six at DVE. Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Through 11. It's 56 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Six people are hospitalized after a roller coaster derailed at a Florida amusement park. Officials say two people were thrown more than 30 feet when a car flew off the tracks yesterday at a boardwalk park in Daytona Beach. First responders rescued 10 other people from that derailment. The late Stephen Hawking is receiving an honor reserve for very few people today. The ashes of the renowned physicist will be interred at London's Westminster Abbey between the graves of Sir Isaac Newton and Charles Darwin. At the same time, a recording of his voice will be sent into deep space. The broadcast will be aimed at a black hole more than 3,000 light years from Earth. Hawking died in March at the age of 76. Psychedelic drugs like LSD and so-called magic mushrooms might help treat depression and addiction. Researchers at the University of California say the substances that are banned as illegal drugs in the U.S. and other countries can rewire parts of the brain in a way that lasts longer than the drug's effects. Scientists say this could make psychedelics the next generation of treatments for mental health disorders. They say psychedelics could be more effective and safer than existing options. Those findings are published in the latest edition of the journal Cell Reports. According to a new study, a majority of fathers today are much more involved in their kids' lives. Researchers have found there's been a shift in how fathers view their roles. Instead of just letting mom deal with the kids, dads today are spending more time providing more care and more loving toward their kids than ever before. And most dads even see themselves as playing an equally important role in helping their kids as moms do. A New Jersey woman denying she had sex in a church garden. According to the Asbury Park Press, Noel Smart and Anthony Getchius are facing lewdness counts after someone reported seeing them having full-on sex by a Virgin Mary statue in broad daylight on the grounds of the Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Noel is homeless and told the court this week she was staying at the Seaside Heights Church when the May incident was reported, but stirred, stood firm before a judge and said she did not engage in public sexual activity. A police officer who responded to the crime scene said the alleged actions between Smart and Getchius remains, quote, burned into his mind. Noel entered a not guilty plea. In music news, Access TV is acquiring Rolling Stones guitarist Ronnie Wood's music-themed interview series. The 11-episode The Ronnie Wood Show will make its U.S. debut on July 11th at 8 o'clock Eastern with Sir Paul McCartney. On the 18th, it's Alice Cooper. July 25th, Slash. On August 1st, Mark, uh, Mark Ronson. On the 8th, Mick Hucknall. And Patty Boyd, uh, the ex-wife of George Harrison and Eric Clapton. That is August 15th.
Grateful Dead fans are set to get a plethora of new live recordings from the band's archives. A new 19-disc box set, Pacific Northwest 7374. The complete recordings feature six previously unreleased shows and will be available September 7th. Also set to be released on the same day are a compilation of some of the highlights of the box set, Pacific Northwest 7374, Believe It If You Need It, and the complete Portland Memorial Coliseum, Portland, Oregon, 51974 show. Finally, longtime Elvis Presley drummer DJ Fontana dead at the age of 87. The last remaining member of Presley's group, Fontana passed away in his sleep Wednesday night, according to a Facebook post by his son. Fontana played drums with Presley from 54 to 68, playing on his most well-known hits, including Hound Dog, Jailhouse Rock, Heartbreak Hotel, and Don't Be Cruel. Montana was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009. Sunny, low 80s, another nice day today. Temperatures in the upper 50s overnight tonight. It's 57 now at DVE. Yeah, it's the DVE morning show. Me and Val hanging out today. Bill's off. Mike will be here. Well, it's just Bill off. Yeah. Everyone else is here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, We got uh, Gene Collier. The one and only. Not Sean Collier. No Sean Collier today. Gene Collier. There's always a Collier on Friday, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, the one and only Jason Bonham. You had a, a chance to talk to him? Yeah, uh, they're coming to town. He's coming to town with uh, the Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin evening on the 27th with Whitesnake and Foreigner. Cool. And uh, the band Garter Shake in the coffee house a little bit later on this morning for you as well. I pinched a nerve in my neck. What? the worst feeling in the world. You ever pinch a nerve in your neck? Is that like, do you have numbness now going down your shoulder and your arm? Well, like, I think there's varying degrees of it. Like, sometimes there's, like, the pinch nerve where you're like, oh, I can't move my neck very well. Yeah. Then there's the one where it's actually, like, which is really like a pinch nerve, like, in your trap, you know? Okay. And then the pinch nerve in your neck is the one where everything hurts from the bottom of your head all the way down to the base of your spine. Oh, my God. Oh, it's killing me. It's the worst feeling in the world. Did you wake up with that? or No, did- I got it yesterday. Did you see someone about it? No. I mean, <laughs> it happened late. I sat on a like I sat on this bar stool to have dinner that was like a crooked bar stool and it mm-hmm. threw my neck out of whack and it just slipped a disc and like pinched a nerve. You're going to see somebody today? No, I'm flying to Chicago. Oh my god. They got people there. I'm going to see the band Gomez. Well, they have uh, like massage people in the airport. So. Yeah, I'll just do that. I, yeah. I'm sure that'll be fine. It'll should, be all right. Should work out. But I'm going to see a band tonight called Gomez, who I like very much, and um, nobody else does. I mean, <laughs> nobody likes this well, band. You know how embarrassing right it is to, to love a band, and nobody cares about them. Um, I feel that way about Rival Sons only because no, like they're still so unheard of. Yeah. But they had almost a sold-out show at the Rex, so people, people other than me like them. 500 people. Yeah. That's pretty good. These guys are playing the Vic Theater in Chicago. They booked two nights. I bought tickets for both nights when it first went out, when they first went on sale. Like, I w- like they went on sale 10 a.m. in you know, February 3rd. Mm-hmm. I bought tickets 10.01 for both nights. Me and my brother like them. So I'm like, this is going to be a perfect opportunity for us to go to Chicago. Hang for the weekend. See my sister, who lives there. And uh, see this band we love. Well, it uh, turns out my sister's not going to be there. <sighs> then my brother couldn't go. Uh, so I'm like, all right, well, I'll just sell the tickets because, you know, no big deal. Sure. Uh, neither night sold out for this band. <laughs> so I'm eating the tickets for tomorrow night. 
I'm like, I went on StubHub. I bought them for, I think, $38 or something. Okay. so After service yeah. charge, it's like 50 bucks a ticket. And I looked on StubHub, and they were selling for like $9. <laughs> Where's the show? The Fick Theater in Chicago. It's like right by Wrigley Field. Oh, that'll be a cool place. Yeah, but not exactly the weekend I had in mind. So why aren't you so going ex- tomorrow? Why aren't I going tomorrow? Yeah. I can barely get anybody to go with me tonight. (laughs) Also, I didn't realize it was Father's Day weekend when I made the... I didn't plan well, is what I'm saying. Ah. And now I have a super cool pinched nerve to go along with it. Well, sounds like a great weekend. I'm looking forward to it. And by that, I mean... So you're flying up today and coming back tomorrow. That's what it looks like now, yeah. I was supposed to fly yesterday, uh, but that got all screwed up. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to be here today. I know, but not... You texted me like, ah, I'll be there. And um, it probably would have been better off for both you and the listeners had that been the case. <laughs> but alas, you well, have to deal with me. You know, maybe you'll go up and you'll get loosey-goosey and it'll shake things loose in your neck. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. I do- most doctors recommend when having neck troubles, get as loosey-goosey as possible. <laughs> uh, all right. Tons of stuff to get to in a gorgeous morning, man. It is so nice outside right now crazy. Oh, it was a beautiful day yesterday. It was light outside until like 9 o'clock at night. I was down in the strip district having dinner, sitting outside. and I On had, a bar stool that jacked up your neck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it was light out so late. It felt like... Uh, well, what? We're approaching the longest day, right? The yeah. 22nd? 21st or 22nd? Yeah, so you know, 9 o'clock at night last night, you could have read a book outside easy. Mm-hmm. And... Six o'clock this morning, you need sunglasses. Yeah. It's crazy. Good times. Enjoy it. Peter Gabriel kicks things off. Oh, well, speaking of the Penguins, word continuing to swirl about uh, forward Phil Kessel. News about a rift between him and head coach Mike Sullivan hasn't stopped since the end of the season, and we wanted to talk directly to the source. Uh, so we got Phil the Thrill on the line right now. Phil, are you there? Oh, yeah. I'm there. What? Well, I got to tell you. I've never felt this bad. I, I might not make it through the call. Well, gee, I knew there's probably some mm. truth to the rumors, but it, it sounds pretty serious. Are, are you in pain? Yeah. I, I Look, I tried to stick it out, but I think I got to quit. What do you mean quit? You're still under contract for four years. Wait, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the rumors <laughs> that you were frustrated with Coach Sully for not playing you with Gino this season, and they're looking to trade you. What? <laughs> Wait, what, what are you talking about? Dude, I've been playing an eating game since the Capitals beat the Knights. An eating game? Wait, what kind of eating game? Every time someone posts a pic of Ovi drinking with the cup, I have to eat a donut. That sounds really dumb, Phil. Yeah, it was. I think I can <laughs> hear you getting diabetes. If I eat one more munchkin, I think I'm automatically in the lollipop guild. Well, I think you'd be a welcome addiction. Or addition, rather. <laughs> well... Freudian slip there. I think I got a problem. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why we have you on the line? I got to ask you about your relationship with Sully. It's not, it's not good, Randy. It's not, it's not good. So then there is truth to the speculation that you two didn't see eye to eye. Totally true. Totally true, did you say? Totally true. <laughs> totally true. <laughs> He's uh, a cheesecake, cheesecake factory guy, and I'm definitely an Applebee's 
all day kind of guy because there's no place like the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Is, is that a metaphor, though? or No. When we're on the road, he's always trying to get people to go to the Cheesecake Factory. And without my wingman talking around, I got no one to get wings with. <laughs> Eating riblets alone is a dark place. I can only imagine. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, what about on the ice? I had 92 points. I literally have never tried this hard. (laughs) What about the playoffs? Were you hurt? No. Trying in January made me tired. It took just way too much cardio. All right, that makes more sense. (laughs) That and uh, eating freaking glam burgers and avocado toast. Uh, Well, that could have an impact. All right, uh, I hope that uh, the OV eating challenge is over. You might want to pull back on that one. So it is. I'm done eating donuts this afternoon. All right, good. That's glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that, rather. And uh, appreciate you calling in, Phil. We, we're glad to talk yep. to you. I'm going to switch it up to burgers. No. I'm going to IHOP today. <laughs> international boner town, right, Val? That's, That's not, right. No, her joke was international house of boners. <laughs> hey, do you think I really have diabetes? All right, we'll see you later there, Phil. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports This Hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Steelers wrapped up their offseason yesterday and uh, after three weeks of OTAs followed by this week's mandatory veteran mini camp that closed yesterday on the south side. Everybody ought to know the score. Here's Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Man, that's the end of what's been a good offseason for us. Um, As we head into the summer, um, you know, we challenge the guys in several ways. The new guys, the guys that haven't been exposed to us, we challenge those guys to simply be in the best shape of their lives. Um, they don't have control over a lot. Um, they don't know what lies ahead. They haven't experienced it before. So to give themselves the best opportunity to be the best they can be, um, it just makes sense to be in the best shape of their lives. So we challenge them in that way. Uh, the guys that have been with us before, we, we told them if they assume anything, assume that more will be required of them this year. Than, than, than what's been required of them in the past. And that's just that's a prudent approach to take. Uh, I look forward to getting in the trove with this group and, and starting the formal development in pads uh, and taking a significant step in that way. Yeah, training camp's next on the schedule. That starts on uh, July the 25th, and that will play out as it always has, unless it doesn't. You know, stay tuned. You know, uh, I just told those guys to be ready. Uh, they realize that we'll turn over whatever stone that we need to in preparation in order to increase our, our chances. Um, we'll continue to do that. How we've worked in the past is born out of that mentality. So um, I'm open. Uh, in the next five weeks, maybe I'll, I'll learn something new. Maybe something will twinge me to add to our, to our, our preparation plan. So uh, we have a hardcore plan, but we're light enough on our feet to, to do it better. And, and so that's always going to be my mentality. And that was uh, Tomlin's response when I asked him if he was going to try something different at training camp just for the sake of trying something different. Are they happy with the way they prepare, or do they think that improvement can start with trying to get ready in a different way? And uh, I don't suspect it'll be uh, radically different, but uh, maybe there will be a tweak. Who knows? Um if he was uh, at all wondering if maybe he should change things up, I would think now would be a good time to do that because uh, the way last season ended uh, screams out for change. At least it screams out for a different ending uh, to the season that's coming up. 
Uh, as always, uh, Mike Tomlin is looking forward to training camp. That much will probably never change. Hey, you guys know I love camp. Uh, man, I go tonight, you know. Um, it's just how I am. I'm a football lover. Uh, I love that environment. Uh, I love the unintended consequences of training camp, the unique bonding opportunities, the growth opportunities individually and collectively. I uh, appreciate our relationship with those guys uh, up there in Latrobe at St. Vincent. Um, I look forward to it. I think I'd, uh, I'd go tonight, too, if I could. Yeah? I really like it up there. You love it there. That's like your happy place, sitting in a dorm, chewing, talking football. <laughs> yeah. It's got, it's a, I, didn't, I'm not, I didn't mean to say it as if that wasn't romantic. It is. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You know, and I, it's probably one of those things, if, if you did it all the time, you'd hate it, but once a year for a defined period, it's, it's like a working vacation for me. There you go. You do a lot of work, but I really just dive into it and love doing it. That's great that you still love it. Yeah. That's right, because most sports writers hate everything. <laughs> well, there's stuff I hate. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> just not trading care. So. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be an interesting time when they get to St. Vincent College. They have a lot of stuff to sort out. Uh, started to make this point a little bit yesterday. It's a team of potential. There are some great players and some real promise, but uh, there are some major question marks that uh, they'll try to start to answer at St. Vincent College. I don't think you'll get the complete answer until December or January, but uh, it is what it is, as the wise man once said. And I think mm-hmm. I think the Steelers recognize that this isn't a team that's on cruise control and it's just you know kind of scratching off a little rust and dusting things up and then getting ready to dominate. They. They have a, a challenge on their hands to be the kind of team they want to be. Pirates open a three-game series against the Reds tonight at PNC Park. Matt Harvey against Chad Cool. Bucks were off yesterday. They have gone seven and eighteen in their last twenty-five games since they were a season-high nine games over five hundred on May the seventeenth. That month from hell has dropped them to thirty-three and thirty-five overall. They are in fourth place in the NL Central. Eight games behind the first-place Brewers, and if they're going to make a move back toward respectability, it might have to come on this 10-game homestand, which starts tonight against the Reds and will continue against the Brewers and the Diamondbacks through June the 21st. And uh, the first round of the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills in Southampton, Long Island, played out the way people at... uh, the USGA probably like the U.S. Open to play out. Uh, four guys broke par, and they were all minus one. Oh, wow. Dustin Johnson, Scott Piercy, Ian Poulter, and Russell Henley tied for your first-round lead at minus one. Jason, it's always brutal. Jason Duffner was even. Everybody else was over par, including Phil Mickelson, who was plus seven, and Tiger Woods, who was plus eight. Well, count me among those who like to see those guys struggle. Absolutely, me too. Yeah, I, when the, the winner maybe should be under par. Nobody else. <laughs> it's just when they're all like you know, twenty three under after three days in those tournaments where it's just like well, these guys are carving this place up. This isn't that fun. Feels like a video game. Yeah, when you're watching it. Yeah, to you see know, I like really, to see these guys rescued. Really see their art when they struggle and they have to. Yeah rely on every ounce of their skill just to avert disaster. Yeah, it's fun to watch. No doubt. That's sports. 
Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk about uh, an interesting Father's Day gift that, Mike, you might be into. We'll talk about it on the way. Sunny, low 80s for the high today. It's 56 at DVE. Clarkshire at Stage AE tomorrow night. Tickets still available. Pretty cool opening act. An all-star band featuring Joe Grishecki and Kelsey from Brownie Mary, Paul Luke, and more performing the Clark's first album. Here they are. Cigarette. DVE. It's the DV Morning Show, the Clark Cigarette tomorrow night, Stage AE. That's going to be an awesome show. Yeah, their big summer show is always a lot of fun. Very much looking forward to hanging with those guys. And uh, tickets available at the Stage AE box office, Ticketmaster.com. Later on this morning, Gene Collier will be joining us live in studio. Also, Val had a chance to talk with Jason Bonham. I'm interested to hear this. Did you, um, you know what? What? I would have loved to have known, uh, you know, his dad got that statue recently mm-hmm. um i thought they should have spit beer like you know what i mean yeah. how they usually like have like water flying out yeah. of them. they should have his dad like on the drum set like <laughs> just constant beer fountain going on more of a fountain than a statue i guess also the band garter shake in the coffee house nine fifteen. don't forget the dve comedy festival coming up in uh two weeks holy smokes two weeks that's right. We're going to be at the Biom Theater on Friday night and then the Arcade Comedy Theater shortly thereafter. And uh, also uh, the next day, day two of the DVE Comedy Festival, we added a second day. Two great podcasts that are uh, like among the most popular. Tastes great together. Yeah, that's right. The 420 taping of Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast. That one's really close to being sold out. If you were thinking about going, don't wait on tickets on that. And Burt Kreischer's Burtcast. I, you know, Bert's coming in studio the day before. And oh, I know, my. And that's, Just Bert? Well, no, I think Bert, Sarah, and I don't think Rory can make it. Rory Scovel, who uh, was the co-star with Amy Schumer in her last movie. Uh, but I think Brad Williams, Sarah Tiana, and Bert are all going to be here. <laughs> so that ought to be pretty fun. Get tickets for the Bert Cast and Doug Loves Movies podcast, day two of the DVE Comedy Festival at dve.com. Hey, fellas. He's tired of waiting around all day for a yellow cab. Or an Uber. Or that lift with a Y. We'll wait no longer. Hi, I'm Charles Kabaki. And I'm his brother, Tim. But you just might know Spider as the Pittsburgh Jitney Kings. Download our app, and we'll tell you where our driver, Dennis, is currently located on the Pittsburgh Jitney Kings GPS coordinates in relation to you. Utilizing the same technology as Uber's non-copyrighted GPS program. But using language Pittsburghers have become accustomed to. We'll let you know how far away Dennis is from picking you up with Pittsburghies reliability. Just click on Send Dennis. And if you received a prompt, it reads, Hold your horses. He's about 15 minutes away. If the prompt reads, Give me a minute. He's about 15 minutes away. And if the prompt reads, be right down. He's probably only five minutes away, but could be 15 if Dennis needs to stop and get a chew. And worst case scenario, if the prompt reads, start walking and I'll pick you in up. VIP members receive the one more beer option. Press the one more beer icon. And Dennis will circle for like five minutes. First one's free. Additional one more beer request or $10 per circle. Dennis got that vertigo, though, so don't make him get all dizzy circling around Chukas. But how will you know which vehicle is yours? 
The Pittsburgh Jitney Kings carriage will arrive with all the character of them old lift vehicles with the cute car mustaches. And we offer one of our four classic Pittsburgh giant mustache grill options. The Wanstead. The Staggerwald. The Dicka. Or the Leland. No smoking allowed in any of the Pittsburgh Jitney cabs. Except the Leland. Where it's mandatory. So if you need a ride from the south side, north side, east end, west end, north hills, south hills, hill district. No, we ain't going up there. Download the Pittsburgh Jitney Kings app. Order up a Ditka. And hold your horses. Dennis will be right there. The Pittsburgh Jitney Kings. Yins guys will laugh. What are you laughing at me for? I'm not. I thought you were. (laughs) I thought you were mocking me. Which would have been fine and probably <laughs> no. worthy. Of, I'm, I'm worthy of being mocked. I was not. Um, for bitching about the weather is what I thought you were doing. Oh, no. No, I'm like, I'm, up. I'm wangry. <laughs> is that what you're calling it Weather now? Weather angry, yes. Wangry sounds like something else, Val. I wouldn't I wouldn't go with that one. <laughs> wangry sounds like... Angry about a wang? Yeah, angry about a wang. <laughs> angry about a wang. We're getting wanged by Mr. Mother Nature. I don't know. Randy Bellman. The oh yeah, morning a callback to when the weather stunk for like two and a half straight months, and now we've had two straight days of beautiful weather, and it's like <laughs> I forgot. It's like days. I forgot everything. It's gorgeous out right now. Oh, but earlier in the week it was so disgustingly humid. <laughs> the way you said it, disgusting. It, it was swampy. Make me want to puke. <laughs> it was swampy, but it's nice uh, uh, out now, and it's yesterday gorgeous. Yesterday, perfect. Beautiful uh, sunny day yeah. all the way until like nine o'clock at night last night. Uh, heat index on Monday near a hundred. This coming Monday, uh, yeah. Nineties, mm-hmm. mid nineties Sunday, close to a hundred. It's brutal out the, uh, in uh, in the sun. There's no doubt about that. But like, if you could get a little bit of shade and stuff, it was nice. I was uh, I rode my bike on the uh, uh, Great Allegheny Passage there yesterday on the Gap Trail. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's beautiful. And uh, there was people sitting out uh, under the trees just trying to see those haze bald eagles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you see any? No, I was kind of cruising by, but there were people like sitting in chairs that they had dragged over there. But it's binoculars. Yeah. Nice. It was a really nice juxtaposition of like sitting there in nature and trying to see this eagle and the smell of funnel cakes from Sandcastle walking (laughs) over. It's very perfect match. There's nothing like that smell. The smell of an amusement park. Carnival smells, yeah. It's like a combination. It's like 75%, mm, I want to eat that, and 25%. There's a television show called Carnival Eats. Really? Yes. What's that all about? Carnival Eats. Oh, really? (laughs) Hence the name. It's a great name for it, then. (laughs) Yeah, they they show, you know, really good stuff like deep fried ho-hos and Twinkies, but then they always find some random thing someone invented and- it's, in, it's good mind-numbing television. Yeah. Of like the four or five times I've been to Kennywood, because that's all I've, you know, I didn't grow up going to Kennywood or anything. And by the time I moved to Pittsburgh, I was a little too old to go to Kennywood all the time. <laughs> uh, but I've yet to have potato patch fries, really. What? No, I know. Never really had them. I if I did, I don't remember it, and I feel like I would remember it. Believe that. But they weren't open when we were there. Like when we did they the shows there. They were when we left. 
Yeah. That's what, I, anytime we do that, I always go light at the lunch that we have uh-huh. so I can go over to the potato patch. Get the patch. potato patch rice. Yeah. But that is your number one amusement park well, food choice, yeah, culinary choice. Corn dog. <laughs> Love did, corn dogs. Did you go down to Three Rivers Arts Fest? I didn't make it. There's no. corn dogs everywhere yes. down there. Why didn't you get me one? <laughs> well, cold corn dogs, I feel like those. Are, you can't hey. reheat a corn dog, can you? Sure. It'd be so a if I were to have bought a corn dog, but... took it home, and then brought it to you the next day and been like, hey, I got you a corn dog last a, night. We have a toaster oven here. You can't. You would toast a corn dog? Well, you got to get it a little crunchy on the outside. Okay, so you put it in the toaster oven. I see yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well. Not in the in the microwave because it would get soggy. Let me ask you this. Why can't you buy corn dogs anywhere? Why can't you? You can. You can buy them at the grocery store. You can? Yes, because I have before. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I spotted them and thought, I love corn dogs. <laughs> I'm going to buy these. How were they? They were pretty good. Yeah. You put they ke- were like by some hot dog company, so. Do you put ketchup on them? Yes. Yes. I think I'd go with mustard. Nah. I, I'm not a last mustard time I had a corn dog, I was a kid. For sure. I'm young at heart, Randy. I know. I love how you excited you get for corn dogs, though. <laughs> uh, the potato patch fries I always get with gravy. That's the way to go with any French fry. Gravy is better than ketchup. Yes, always. The order goes gravy, vinegar, then ketchup. Not all at once. No, That's I'm saying just ranking the ranking toppings. Ranking okay. the, the accoutrements to go along with yeah. uh, with French fries. Loaded fries pretty good, though. Not a fan. I don't think no? the fry's a good conduit. It gets soggy, and then you're trying to pull off stuff, and how, it just it goes limp on how you. How about tots? Tots. Loaded tots. Because well, you can eat those with a fork. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to eat them with a fork, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like... They'll hold up because it turns into a hash. Right, yeah. A blob. Which is okay. A potato blob. Right, which is fine. But when you're doing loaded fries, even chili fries, the consistency of the fry gets too compromised. Yeah, I guess so. Hard-hitting talk this morning on the BB Morning Show. (laughs) Important stuff. Val's got news for you. Well, it's better than some of the stuff in the news right now. Uh, Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. True 11. It's 56 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. People will wish we were talking more about French fries than these next few stories I have. Uh, The investigation into former USC gynecologist George Tyndall is growing larger. Tyndall's home and a storage facility were searched yesterday morning by the LAPD with officers saying the warrants were investigative and that Tyndall was not arrested. The doctor is facing allegations of mistreating patients during pelvic exams dating as back uh, as far back as 1990. Detectives are in the process of interviewing more than 100 people who have contacted the LAPD about Tyndall. They say nothing has been turned over so far to the LA County DA's office. And Jamie Foxx's legal team is hitting back against an allegation of sexual assault. A woman told police last week the actor sexually assaulted her when she refused to perform oral sex on him at a party at his Las Vegas home in 2002. His lawyer told BuzzFeed News yesterday that if what she claims happened were true, that alleged incident is not considered a sexual assault in Nevada. She said her allegation is he slapped her, but not with his hand. Yes, Fox says he is innocent and he does plan to take legal action against the woman for allegedly filing a false police report. How is that not assault in Nevada? You, you have I don't to hit know. someone with your foot or your hand? I have no idea. <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I, there's so many. Bill and I talked about this yesterday. There are so many jokes I'd like to make, all of them inappropriate and not FCC friendly. Yes. But uh, suffice it to say, I mean, if Jamie Foxx is capable of assaulting, assaulting somebody that way, then, you know, I, I'll believe that lady that that could have <laughs> happened. I don't know. But if he can do that, like... Physically, you yeah, mean. that should be yeah, a that should be assault. Yeah, and Bill Cosby has fired his entire legal team only three months before his sentencing for sexual assault. He has hired Pennsylvania Attorney Joseph P. Green Jr. to replace Tom Mesero, who led the defense team. Mesero was brought on board after Cosby fired the lawyers who oversaw his mistrial in June of last year. The 80-year-old is currently under house arrest and is set to be sentenced after a two-day hearing September 24th and 25th. Back in April, Cosby was convicted of drugging and molesting Andrea Constand 14 years earlier. There are also rumors Cosby could be parting ways with his wife Camille, who is said to be seeking a divorce which why would you wait until now i have no idea i cannot get into the minds of these people i don't know if she was just trying to help him evade a more serious prosecution and then she planned on leaving if she believed what was going on uh, Mm -hmm. or believed him that Mm -hmm. it was all a big setup and none of this is true and it's a conspiracy i don't know none of it makes sense to me yeah the world is a crazy place right now (laughs) Well, it is Father's Day this Sunday, and it's a perfect time to tell your dad how much you love him and appreciate the impact he had on your life and honor his hard work. little history about Father's Day. In 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson issued the first presidential proclamation dedicating the third Sunday of every June to our nation's dads. It was signed into law in 1972 by President Richard Nixon. This Father's Day, some restaurants will offer deals for dads, TCBY giving away a free yogurt to every dad, Ruth's Chris is handing out a gift card to every dad who dines at their restaurant. A lot of other chains, you know, doing stuff like that as well. The National Retail Federation says the average person will spend 133 bucks treating dad this year. Uh, that adds up to $15.3 billion in retail. The biggest spenders will be those between 25 and 34 years old who will uh, fork over an average of 188 bucks per person. And lots of dads out there have enough stuff. Yeah. So instead of giving dad another gadget or a trinket or a tie for Father's Day, consider giving him the gift of an adventure at Bomber Camp, which is described as an immersive World War II living history experience where you experience the sights, sounds, and smells few have ever known. The camp is in Stockton, California. Dads will get to shoot machine guns and drop dummy bombs on the ground uh, on targets while flying around in vintage bombers. Plus, they'll get to do other things like administer first aid, do some firefighting and radio ops just like they did in the war. People may prefer to binge watch with their pets, but that doesn't mean binge watching with your partner isn't good for you. According to a new study, watching Netflix with your significant other is good for your relationship. Study found that couples who enjoy binging shows together have a better bond than couples who watch TV separately. They also spend more alone time together, which gives them more time to talk and connect. Do you guys do a good job of binging together or are you on separate binges a lot? Um, we haven't binged watched too many things, but the shows that we do watch, the same shows, we uh-huh. watch them together all the time. Okay. Like Billions right now. Oh, yeah. Is what we watch. I think Ray Donovan's probably starting soon. 
I always cheat on the <laughs> on the binge. Well, well then, yeah. She'll be like, You're "Don't not- watch too many." And I, I, you know, I've done the fake like, "Oh, I didn't see that coming," you know. <laughs> but it, she knows now because she just doesn't have this. We have different schedules, so yeah. I have when I can watch TV. She's working. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, well, I mean, what am I going to not watch? And then probably the little time that you have, the few hours or a couple hours a night, you don't want to waste it staring right, at television. Right, like, let's not talk. Yeah. But there's so much good television out there right now. It's crazy to me. Billy got me to watch that show, Patrick Marlowe, on show, Showtime. Is that the- Billy Gardell did. Uh, That's the Benedict Cumberdum one. Cumberdum? <laughs> Cumbersome? Whatever his name is. Benedict Benedict Cumbersome it's name. It's super depressing. Do not watch yeah, that mo- that that show. It's so depressing. If you want to watch rich English people yeah, deal with depression and alcoholism and abuse, great show to watch. But it's the subject matter yeah, is entirely depressing all the time. I'm like, I have enough depressing stuff in my life. I'm, I'm, do- <laughs> I'm done with this. I can't figure out if I like him either or not. Benedict Dumb- yeah. Cumberdum? Cumberbatch? I'm not sure I like him. I don't. Well, then you would like the show even less. Don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I made it through four episodes because it was, it was really hard to watch. I only I I binge watched Stranger Things with Tim, but only because he was watching it. I didn't care to watch it. I find when I binge watch things, I don't remember them quite as well. Yeah. Because, like, I will pay less attention when time is flying by. Does that make sense to you? If you're going to sit down for four hours, like I was yeah, telling you- Yeah, you're distracted. You're on your computer. Yeah, yeah you're like, oh, I'll just let thing. it go. I've been watching for a few hours. I can leave the room for a yeah. little bit and come back. And so you miss stuff, and uh, you're not quite as attentive to every single detail. Whereas if you wait one week, you don't want to miss a second of it mm-hmm. when you watch in one-week intervals. He watches some shows I don't watch, like The Leftovers he watched, which was really weird. Yeah, I didn't want to watch that. Uh, Westworld. Yeah, another one that everyone tells me don't start it because it sounds like if you start watching it, you won't want to stop watching it, but you'll hate the show. Well, he used to say that about The Leftovers, like this is such a weird show. It's like, then why are you watching it? You just can't stop. I watch the the documentaries more. Yeah. Love like them. the keepers, did you I, watch that one? No, because you told me about it and it was too depressing. It is depressing, but it's it's good. Dead nun, right? Dead nun. All right, I, that's of, okay. Uh, Again, Catholic church, sex depressing abuse. stuff. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I I was in the middle of all of that. I don't need to go back and watch a documentary about it. Uh, I might be. Okay, I might. Then. I might see myself walking <laughs> through the background. Uh, but it's pretty good. Ozark. It's only one season in. You got to get in on Ozark. I know, but now I'm mad at Jason Bateman. Why? Well, A, he's in everything. And B, he was such a jerk in that interview a couple of weeks ago. What? Did you interview? No, the New York Times interviewed the whole cast because, you know, Jeffrey Tambor got basically booted off of that other show for being such a monster. And apparently he was a total jerk to Jessica Walter, who plays the mother, Bluth. Interested development mm-hmm. and was like unconscionably mean and cruel to her on the set. And Jason Bateman just like kept washing. I don't think he realized what he was doing or other members of the cast. Mm-hmm. Like the women were trying to speak up and go, hey, that wasn't okay what he did. And Jason Bateman was basically like, hey, yeah, no, that's fine. We already know what he did was bad. But look, he's a good person. And they kept like not letting the women speak about yeah. what a jerk he was being. And they were just trying to like 
brush it under the carpet. It, went, it came off very bad. He issued an apology the next morning on the internet because he's like, wow. Uh, after listening to the tape and going back and looking at the transcript of that interview, I was a, I was a real jerk. Well, at least he recognized He did it. do that. I will say that. All right, I'm going to watch Ozark. You're right. Do <laughs> <laughs> You watched Peaky Blinders, didn't you? I loved it. because uh-huh. it, And it wasn't that good, which is how I feel about I'm Dying Up Here, the Showtime show Mike about loves that. the comedy store. It's not that good, but I but I watch it and I like it. It's just when television has to speed up storylines mm-hmm. uh, and it flies in the face of authenticity it's it's hard to deal with when it's something that you love you know if it's like it was about a profession I didn't know anything about I wouldn't really care that they were like glossing over huge yeah. parts but like you don't just get to go move to Los Angeles walk in the comedy store get a get job telling jokes and then get a television show because if you did <laughs> a lot more bad TV the members of Metallica are the proud recipients of Sweden's prestigious Polar Music Prize. Drummer Lars Ulrich and bassist Robert Trujillo were on hand last night to accept the award from the King of Sweden. During his acceptance speech, Lars said he couldn't believe he was standing in front of both music royalty and actual royalty, accepting one of the most prestigious prizes that can be bestowed upon musicians. Now in its 27th year, the prize honors significant achievements in music and music that breaks down musical boundaries. And finally, fans of the Rolling Stones wanting to upgrade their vinyl collection get their chance today with the release of the studio album's vinyl collection 1971 to 2016. Each record in this 20-disc collection has been sourced from the original master tapes and pressed on 180-gram black vinyl, and each sleeve has been faithfully reproduced, including the real zipper on the cover of Sticky Fingers. Here is Keith Richards on why later versions of the Stones' Sticky Fingers album did not contain an actual zipper. The last time they did that on the original, the zipper started to cut into the records, and they... (laughs) And they had to dump a whole load, and that, which is why the zipper disappeared until so it became a print zipper, you know. The 15 albums are Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, Goat's Head Soup, It's Only Rock and Roll, Black and Blue, Some Girls, Emotional Rescue, Tattoo You, Undercover, Dirty Work, Steel Wheels, Voodoo Lounge, Bridges to Babylon, A Bigger Bang, and Blue and Lonesome. And in celebration of the release, you can listen to previews of all the tracks via their virtual player, on the Stones website. Another nice day today. Sunny, low 80s, upper 50s overnight tonight. It's 58 at DVE. All right, Mike's coming in next with your sports. The uh, Buckos have the Reds this weekend and Steelers uh, take off from OTAs. And could Mason Rudolph end up as the number two QB? Plus, lots of changes on defense. Mike has your sports when we were. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And the Buckos got the Reds at home all weekend long for Father's Day weekend. I like when they uh, when they have a home series on Father's Day weekend. Usually there's a pretty cool crowd there at PNC Park. and I gives love- me an opportunity to try to get my dad to come down here <laughs> so I don't have to go up there. I love baseball on Father's Day. It always uh, inspires reminders of the immortal Ralph Kiner who used to do the Mets games in oh, yeah. uh, one June. On the Father's Day, Ralph made a point uh, to wish all you fathers out there a happy birthday. Kind <laughs> uh, of picked up where Yogi Berra left off and you know, yeah, ran you know, with that ball. Everybody knows what he meant. You know, isn't that really the point of communication? Kiner's Corner was also uh, especially entertaining, the post-game show where he would interview somebody. And... Just full of malaprops? Yeah. <laughs> it was... 
Ralph Connor, a, a man among men in many regards. Yeah, he had huge hands. Hit a lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. Dated like enjoyed a, the company of uh, Marilyn Monroe. A lot of people that would like to hang out with a guy who hits a lot of home runs. There should be a which is doing it right. If you you know if you're not going to reap the benefits, why hit all the dingers? <laughs> if you're not going to date all the starlets, what's the point? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Then you're just Joe Blow. You yeah. know, you might as well dig ditches. <laughs> yeah, you're not taking advantage of it. What's the point? Pirates could use a little Ralph Kiner right about now. They could use something. Anything uh, to snap them out of what's now uh, almost a month-long funk. Yeah, they won their last game uh, in Arizona on Wednesday afternoon, but they're just 7-18 and 18 in their last 25. So they will try to start getting things rolling back in the right direction. It's a 10-game homestand that opens tonight at PNC Park against those Cincinnati Reds. Matt Harvey against Chad Cool. Harvey for Cincinnati's 1-4 and four with a 5.97 ERA. Cool is four and four with a three point nine five ERA. He's coming off a three to one loss to the Cubs uh, last Friday at Wrigley. He went five and a third, eight hits, three runs, all of them earned, two walks and six Ks. Uh, Pirates will entertain the Reds this weekend. Four oh five on Saturday and one thirty five on Sunday, Father's Day. Then it's the first place Brewers coming to town, and then the Diamondbacks. So. Uh, the, the Reds have been uh, kind of problematic for the Pirates in recent seasons, and the Brewers and Diamondbacks are division-leading teams. It's uh, a challenging homestand, but the Pirates got to start getting things going in the right direction again. The Steelers uh, are going to wherever football players go when they don't have any OTAs to worry about. No more mandatory veteran minicamp with which to contend. That wrapped up yesterday on the south side. One of the revelations of mandatory veteran minicamp this week was why the Steelers are so excited about playing outside linebacker Bud Dupree on the right side, the blind side, and T.J. Watt on the left side. And now they, they kind of move guys around as they see fit, but last year Watt was predominantly the right outside linebacker and Bud Dupree was the left. But uh, Keith Butler wants to do it the other way around this season, and uh, he thinks it's going to pay dividends. What Bud did too much of last year, in my opinion, is he got past the quarterback. And, and you're, to me, you're useless when you're past the quarterback and trying to rush the quarterback. So now he won't be as useless behind the quarterback because he can work back a little bit or he can go up and under where the quarterback don't see him, go up and under in front of him and, and try to escape that, that way. So... In terms of uh, how it's going to help us, I think that's going that's the way it's going to help us. And uh, TJ be a little bit more disciplined in terms of uh, how he's trying to contain the quarterback and, and uh, constrict uh, the pocket around him. I don't think that came out quite the way Keith Butler intended. When he talks about Dupree getting past the quarterback, you know, trying to rush up the field and then come over and just getting too far, getting too deep. Right now you're behind the play. He said you're useless when you do that. He'll be less useless on the other side. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly the way you meant it. Uh, less useless. So I got that. We going all forward. aspire to you be know, less useless, Mike. Less useless is better, right? Right. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, in addition to be able to contain the quarterback and constrict the pocket from the left side, T.J. Watt thinks he can get his hand on the ball a lot more often. One thing that I do present is I, I bat passes down, and uh, I definitely am always conscious of um, the quarterback and his throwing motion. I'm not saying Bud isn't, but I'm saying that uh, I'm definitely 
aware of where the ball is thrown. I think I'm presenting more opportunities to bat the passes down when I'm on the left side because the quarterback's opening up that way. Whereas on the back side, I'm not. The quarterback's not technically opening that way as much. Um, so I'm able to keep an eye on, on the quarterback's eyes and see his throwing motion a lot more. And um, even in this training camp, I've been able to bat down a lot more passes than usual. So that's that's something that, that I've liked a lot more about the left side than the right. Yeah, this has some potential uh, if it works the way they think it might. T.J. Watt's shown he can get up off his feet and bat those passes down. He can pick the ball off that way. We saw him do that in the opener uh, at Cleveland last year when he was on the right side just dropping into his own and then going up and getting one. And if Bud Dupree can flush from the right, he leads the quarterback right to T.J. Watt, so maybe more sacks as well. T.J. Watt's all for the left side. Uh, he would have been all for the left side last year, but uh, the opportunity was on the right because that's where the ghost of James Harrison <laughs> was lining up, and uh, T.J. Watt just wanted playing time. He wasn't uh, going to be picky about where. When I came in, I just I wanted to play anywhere, and just to get the opportunity on the right side, I wasn't going to say, no, I want to play left only, I, w- I want to play this side only. Um, when I came in, I was willing to play anywhere on the field. Um, so I didn't. I don't know any of um, what their thought process was about any um, any final destinations for left or right for us, but um, I was happy playing right side last year. One of the things I love about this year is you, you get a chance to talk about theory and, and why they're planning to do what they do, and it all sounds so perfect, right? In theory, well, why wouldn't that work? Of course, that's going to work. He should move over. Dupree's going to have fifteen sacks, and Watt's going to have twelve, and he's going to have about five picks. And everybody wants there to be an answer that was staring them in the face the whole time, yeah. and it's uh, very, very rarely that evident. As Mike Tomlin observed yesterday, everything looks great now because they're undefeated. Unscored upon, I think he even said. That'll change. I don't know. The defense was pretty bad that last game. They might have let one up already in OTAs. (laughs) That is the most confounding thing. I know that without Ryan Shazier, the defense obviously was going to struggle. But the fact that they were as bad as they were against Jacksonville. It shouldn't have struggled that badly. Against the run. The guys up front who we were counting on. You know, you don't think Cam and Jay Wobble or, uh, you know, to it. to it are going to have a bad game in that big of a game situation. But and just, boy, once they started running the ball, they could not defend the no. pass. That play action stuff just killed them. Yep. Uh, they got a. The defense had very respectable numbers in the regular season, but to me, it's all about the playoff game. That's That's your starting point. And I think that's their starting point, too. So we'll see where it takes them, starting with training camp on July the 25th. Four guys, and only four guys, broke par in the first round of the U.S. Open Championship yesterday at Shinnecock Hills in Southampton, Long Island. All four guys under par were minus one. Dustin Johnson, Scott Piercy, Ian Poulter, and Russell Henley. Uh, One player, Jason Duffner, was even. Everybody else was over par. And when I say over par, Randall, 29 of the 156 guys in the field were 10 over or higher. 156th place, Scott Gregory of Britain was plus 22. <laughs> a 92. Just a soul-crushing avalanche of strokes. Hey, you want to shut that guy up over there? <laughs> I like when they struggle, man. It's more fun to watch. I love it. Not because I I want to have that feeling of like, yeah, how do you guys like it? You know, 
so that I feel like they're brought down to my amateur level or, or anything like that. I like seeing their skill and getting out of tougher situations. Yeah, they they it, make it, way better shots. If you can be minus two through four rounds of the U.S. Open, that's way more important to me than minus 28 at the Buick Open. Right. Right. Yeah, we know you're good. You're going to kill a course that allows you to be good. How do you do against conditions where nobody is supposed to be good? And there were uh, 15 to 20 mile an hour winds contributing as well. It wasn't well, all, yeah. It wasn't all just a setup. But, okay. Uh, U.S. Open's usually uh, agonizing for most. Gene Collier, eight fifteen this morning. Also, Val had a chance to speak with Jason Bonham. We'll replay her interview with Jason Bonham have a little you seen bit later them? on. No, the Jason Bonham experience. No, they're tremendous. I have no doubt. They are really entertaining. I find it interesting how many drummers. Well, it. There are like rock star drummers whose kids are drummers that are great. Ringo's kid is amazing. Zach Starkey is like a badass drummer, arguably better than Ringo ever was. I mean, he's the drummer for the Who. I don't think Ringo could have drummed for the Who. Do you? I my understanding is Ringo wasn't any good. Now people will argue with me on this. There's different. There's our buddy. It's uh, complicated. Our buddy Scott Paulson being one of them who uh, maintains Ringo was quite the musician. Yeah, he was. But it's it's complicated. See, I'm more on the line of, uh, did you see Jersey Boys? Yeah. You know that line uh, from the bass player? He says, when there's four guys and you're Ringo, better I go home and spend time with my kids. Oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that's kind of the, the old trope Ringo. of, you know, Ringo's the, the uh, weakest link. But he was also pretty innovative. Um, In his defense, the other three links were pretty damn strong. Yeah, that's the other thing. Weakest link, I guess, is relative. Three Hall of Famers in front of you. But Zach Starkey, a great drummer. Jason Bonham is a great drummer. Like, the power drummers of that era. Ginger Baker's kid, who we won't even talk to, he's a great drummer. So it's just kind of strange to me that all those classic rock bands, you know, Keith Moon being the the lone exception. I don't even know if he has any kids. But they all had badass musician kids. Yeah. Genetics. It's like the catcher being a manager. Hey, uh, Lady Fest this weekend, a uh, really cool music fest going on in the East End. Garter Shake performing live in the coffee house after 9 o'clock to promote that. And Val has news coming up top of the hour. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Father's Day and all the things that modern dads have to know how to do. DV Morning Show. Father's Day is coming up this Sunday. Yeah, dads. Happy day. I think it's a funny thing because <laughs> moms always want like if you ask them what would you like for mother's day mothers will invariably say i just want to be with you kids i just want to be with my family i'd like to have a nice day together and they never want to do anything you extravagant know. yeah they're not like let's go to cedar point yeah it's just let's be together i just want to be together we don't have to spend any money just be together turn off the tv and let's just sit in a circle and just let's just be just be together and the best gift you can give your mom on Mother's Day is to get along with your siblings <laughs> and promote, even if it's a false harmony. sense of harmony, just make it seem like everybody gets along and it's one big happy family. Yeah. That's all mom wants. If no you strife. Ask dad what he wants for Father's Day, 99% of them will say, you know, I just want to be left alone. I just <laughs> want to go off on my own. I don't want to have to answer to you people. I just want I to go away. Be bothered. 
It's the it's the exact opposite of mom. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go away. I actually want to go hang with my friends. Get away maybe from get, you. Maybe have a few beers and not have any of you people harassing me. <laughs> I love you very much. I can't wait to get away from you. Now leave me alone. Yeah. You're, uh, what are you doing with your dad? I have no idea. He won't answer the phone. He's been at the casino too much. I don't know. I'm guessing I'm going to go to the casino. That would probably be the you best way. got a couple to, to choose from I can down find here. him up there. No, I, can't, I don't think I can get him down here. I thought we were going to go to the uh, Bucko game, but that, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, now. okay. I, I have butchered the plans for this weekend as bad as I've butchered any in my life. And yeah. I've, I've butchered plenty. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to be here today, but now I'm Right. Here. Right. Which is why you did the interview <laughs> with Jason Bonham. Two different flights yesterday. and <laughs> I, I screwed up. Very. Sitting here yesterday during the show, can I do this? Maybe I could do that. I bit um, off more than I could chew, and that's basically what it is. And now I've injured myself, so it is what it is. The 20 most rewatchable movies of all time, as compiled by the folks at Business Insider. Steel Magnolias. Not up there. <laughs> Although it might be for, uh, for, for women. Number 20 was Mean Girls. I still haven't watched it. I always considered that to be. I I love yeah. Tina Fey, but it just never appealed to me. Um, Jaws. Oh, I, I watch it every time. I every see it on. time, it's so good. How to lose a guy in ten days? Yeah, no, never even seen it. I saw it once. Don't care to see it again. Groundhog Day is number seventeen. The irony of watching Groundhog Day over <laughs> and over and over. Yeah. You don't watch that one? You don't stay with it? I do, but I don't see it on television very often. A lot of these, I, I would say... Jaws, I see all the time. Is rewatchable different from if it's on, I leave it on? Do you know what I mean? Because <sighs> I can watch a movie a few times. There's almost no movie, if I like it, that I won't watch again. But there are a few movies that, no matter what is on television, if The Godfather is on, I'm leaving it on. Yeah, I, I look at this survey as one you would watch over and over and over. All right, Goodfellas is number 16. Sure. Really surprised that's not higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll even watch the bleeped version of Goodfellas. <laughs> the Godfather is number 15. How is that not higher? Yeah, number one. Like I told you, I watched Godfather 3 a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it's so bad. It just does not... It, it was never good in the first place, but I wanted to Doesn't see if I was up. too harsh. Oh, it's even worse than I have imagined. <laughs> Gladiator number 14. Never saw it. It's really good. Really. <laughs> it must be. It's number 14. People like to watch it over and over again. Friday, number 13. I've seen it one time. Yeah, I think me too. Hitch, never seen it. Have no interest. Saw it once. That's Will Smith, Kevin James. Yeah. Two people who do nothing for me in a movie. Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Mm, never saw it. Saw it once. Finding Nemo. Oh, I love Finding Nemo. Aren't they doing an update to that movie? They Well, they did Dory. Finding Dory? I think that's what it was called. All right. Cartoons. Get, I, I'll watch the original I one. I can't go into the sequels. animated movies. I love like, the, vo- the voice work. You like Pixar or you like... I like all of you them. You like them all. Yeah. Fight Club is number nine. I saw it once. Didn't do much for me it's a little goofy yeah and i can never say the author's name who wrote that book chuck Palahniuk. um it's pretty good though i i really like edward norton's performance in it and brad pitt's awesome in that flick i don't know if this movie is on the list but primal fear with ed norton no that's not but that is a great movie every time i see it i watch it that was his like bust out of yale he was great was he like 23 or 24 years old i don't know how old he was but he was awesome in that movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ugh. 
I'm over it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. I love that movie. I don't know what it is. It's just so quirky and weird. E.T. is number seven. Oh, I love E.T. Haven't seen it since I saw it when I was a kid. I needed it. Because good... why would you? <laughs> it's a kid. Well, unless you're watching with other kids. I don't know, because it's, it's a good movie, I guess. Dirty Dancing. Eh. I think I made it through that one time. The Devil Wears Prada is number oh five. God. How is that number five? How is it on the list at what all? What are they doing? Anytime that movie comes on, uh, I hate watch it for 10 minutes and then turn it off. Shouldn't be on the list at all. I do. I hate that Above movie. Above The Godfather? Are you kidding me? Yeah, The Devil Wears Prada is 12 spots ahead. Give me a break. America's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> We're already there. Caddyshack is number four. Okay. Big is number three. Uh, I think yeah, I paid to see Big three times in the theater. Wow. I was a kid, though. You know, it was like, this is the greatest yeah. thing ever. Uh, Back to the Future. Uh, Number two. Boy, still, Val, you hate the classics. No, I don't hate it. I just can't watch it over and over, especially, like, again, ahead of The Godfather and Jaws. Number one, most rewatchable movie of all time as compiled by Business Insider. The which, original Star Wars. No. A Christmas Story. Yeah. Yep. Every See, year. it They marathon it. I know. I think I would put that in a separate category because all holiday movies are like that for me. Mm. You're not going to watch A Christmas Story in July. I bet you would. I'd watch I It's bet. a Wonderful Life in July before I'd watch A Christmas Story. Chris, really? Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. could be. Or it could be argued is not necessarily a holiday movie. It just happens to take place during the holiday. They should have Discuss done a separate category. Because there are Christmas that, like Elf, I watch it every year. Yeah, but you I gonna, love it. Right, but you won't watch it during the I spring. Might, I might. Great flick. Uh, and lastly, in entertainment news, the Jerry Springer show is ending. <laughs> what? I didn't even know it was still on. <laughs> yes. Twenty six seasons, four thousand episodes. Jerry Springer, uh, the Jerry Springer show is ending, presumably because it's not entertaining anymore. Because. It's not we're, shocking. We're all in the Jerry Springer yeah. show. Gene Collier joins us at 8.15. Uh, he still works at the Post-Gazette, I think. And uh, we've got uh, Val's interview with Jason Bonham, the band Garter Shake performing live for you. Val's got news next. We're going to talk about the things that modern dads have to be able to master. The iHeartRadio app. Download it to your smart tablet or your phone, and you can take us with you wherever you go. Plus, you can create your own music stations on it. It gives you so many different options, uh, the, the coolest of which is listening to DVE no matter where you go. And we talk to people every day that listen to DVE all over the country, mm-hmm. expatriate Pittsburghers, always make sure to check in with home and the amount of people that listen to us while they're working in florida or texas every yep. morning it always blows me away mm-hmm. we hear from people all over the country and that's because iHeartRadio makes it possible download the iHeartRadio app today a robin built a nest literally right outside our back door and she's been on that nest for the last three days oh dude i'm worried the dogs are gonna get the babies I mean, I could probably reach it with my hand. But... Can you reach it and put their Kong up there? Or... <laughs> put, Last put, night. Put some peanut, peanut butter, butter on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> you spend a month entering nurturing your house differently, nurturing these little baby, baby birds, birds, and they their first day out, your dog runs over. And... Randy Bowman. <laughs> 
and the DVE Morning Show. How is uh, your Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom going over there, Oh, the Val? snake ate the birds. Oh. That son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what snakes so, do, Val. I was so upset. Snakes eat birds. Totally cleaned out the nest. Not a shred of evidence there were ever birds in there. Oh, man. See, that just gives snakes a bad reputation, you know? Oh. And then the fact that he blames it on the Bible. You know, I mean, like, he, <laughs> come on. Uh, we had owls out there the other day. Oh, that'll scare the bleep out of the snake. Yeah, they'll eat it. There was plural owls? Two, there were two. I, I think I, I looked online. I think there were saw-wet owls. What are those? I don't know. They're just little owls. Side by side? Yep. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's like a killing force right there. <laughs> they were tag team. That's them. awesome. So. Yeah, you know they're both like doing the, you know, owl moves, like winking and like, you know, touching their beak kind of like over there. Yeah. Doing that <laughs> owl military direction to one another. Well, they ought to eat a lot of the stuff in your yard, so that's good. Would they have eaten the baby birds? They probably could have, but the snake was about five feet away from the nest. Those, so we're th- just a suspecting that jerk did it i didn't realize snakes crawl up walls oh my god yeah trees I, I, walls i need trees because that makes sense to me for some reason that they could like grip onto yeah bark. no we saw one crawl up <laughs> our garage to uh garage walls once and this one was in the roof of the patio oh, why are there so many snakes this year i've seen a bunch i don't know i know somebody who said they had four black snakes in their garage last weekend no kidding. But black snakes are not harmful, they're, right? Yeah, they're, they're uh, not blah, venomous. Blah, 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 blah. They're not venomous. I know. They eat the mice, the chipmunks, whatever, and the baby birds and their eggs, which I don't like. Well, why don't you put some uh, some like fake baby robins <laughs> eggs out there? I don't think they might be able to sniff it out. <laughs> fill them with some sort of poison and watch the snake die a horrible death. That would probably make you feel good. <laughs> Well, I don't, I just don't want it in my area. Like, it go out in the woods. There's a lot of space out there. You chose to move where the snakes live. That's how I look at it. Stay out of my house. <laughs> but you shouldn't kill the black snake. The- no. Apparently it's illegal. What? I don't know. Somebody said it's against the law to kill the snakes. <laughs> There's no way. I don't mind. We have garter snakes, too, which I don't mind because they're little. You can't. You mean to tell me I can't legally kill a snake I in mean, my yard? I, I can kill a person t- who comes onto my property, well, I but I can't kill allowed, a snake? I don't think you're allowed to kill people either. Yeah, you can. <laughs> well, in some instances, I guess. If they're but trespassing. Isn't that, or ca- is that only the, in Florida? Do we have the castle doctrine I here? I don't know. No, I don't think so. No. I think that's in Florida. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're allowed to. So if the snake is trying to rob you, you are allowed to claim yes. self-defense. Self-defense. Well, it robbed you, it robbed you of your robin's eggs. And my joy. <laughs> you are so pissed right now, living in this camper while you redo your house. I'm just like... You're, you're camping all summer, Val. Look at it that yeah, way. Well, that is true. Some yeah. people pay a lot of money to go camping. You do it right, <laughs> right in your front yard. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Through 11.
It's 59 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. President Trump has another legal headache to deal with, and this doesn't have anything to do with Russia. New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood has filed suit against the Trump Foundation, alleging illegal coordination with the campaign, self-dealing, and violation of laws governing nonprofits. Underwood says foundation money was used to pay Trump's legal bills, promote his real estate businesses, and purchase personal items. She also claims the foundation's board, which includes many family members, Members, hasn't even met since 1999. Underwood calls for enjoining Trump from serving on the board of a nonprofit for 10 years and for other family members to be banned for a year. She also wants Trump to repay double any benefits he got through self-dealing in the past four years and to dissolve the foundation. Self-dealt out of his own charitable organization. Yes, according to this suit. And the reason they didn't file suit earlier was the previous attorney general, Michael Cohen, had blackmail info on him whatever what was the he had uh the guy that the quit schneiderman yeah the guy that quit he his uh i believe he was accused of abuse yeah there you yeah. go but why do i feel like this already happened with his charity uh it came out as a news story and then uh, they fake newsed it oh but you know everyone knew during the election about this. Well, there are charges now, so. And President Trump's longtime attorney seeking a restraining order against the lawyer for Stormy (laughs) Daniels. Michael Cohen filed for a restraining order yesterday in an attempt to stop attorney Michael Avenatti from uh, talking to the media, claiming it's likely to deprive him of his right to a fair trial. Cohen paid Avenatti's client $130,000 shortly before the 2016 election to keep her quiet about her alleged affair with Trump. Cohen is under investigation uh, for his business dealings. City of Pittsburgh. Yeah, Michael Cohen is supposedly going to flip. Manafort is going to jail today. His campaign manager and his lawyer are going to be jailed. Well, yeah, they said Cohen fired his legal counsel because he's going to start cooperating. Uh, The city of Pittsburgh offering free lawn care to older residents who can't mow their lawns. Organizers say City Cuts is available for Pittsburgh residents who own their home and are 62 years old or older are a veteran or are disabled. City officials say they hope to start the program in early July. This is awesome. Yeah, a similar story. Back in 2016, a guy named Rodney from Huntsville, Alabama, saw a neighbor struggling to mow his lawn, so he got out of his car and helped him. Well, that inspired him to start a nonprofit called Raising Men Lawn Care that goes to homes of single moms, veterans, and the elderly to mow lawns for free. And it's all about getting kids to volunteer. He started something called the 50-Yard Challenge, where kids commit to mowing 50 yards in their own community for free this summer. This year, Rodney himself going to go on the road to personally mow one person's lawn in all 50 states to draw attention to this. He did the same thing last year. Bed and breakfast hotels are showing up in California. Many air uh, bud and breakfast, I'm sorry. Uh, many Airbnbs around the state starting to offer complimentary cannabis as welcome gifts for their guests. In California, it is legal to gift up to one ounce of marijuana. So these bud and breakfast hotels showing up. Um, you know, if it's legal, I don't get the attraction. That is to say... Well, it's like if you go to a bed and breakfast and, you know, you get a bottle of wine when you get there. Right, but that doesn't make me go there. Like, oh, they have wine. Well, it's just going a, there. a little, nice little gift. It's a welcome gift. Believe me, I'd love it. Uh, it'd be great. That's 
Well, maybe Fine, for... but it just doesn't seem to me to be like, you know what, we should go there because they're going to give us an ounce of weed, well, which maybe is a ton of weed, If you're by the way. F- from out of state. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Here's an ounce. Are you for real? If you're from out of state, maybe it's a They an need to do pot tourism that like takes ne- like beginners through the process because mm-hmm. as it's becoming legal across the country, more people need to understand what, what is actually happening yeah. so that they don't, you know demonize it once again by not understanding dosage you right. know because a lot of people are doing the equivalent of like chugging a bottle of jack daniels and then going <laughs> oh my god alcohol is bad <laughs> well being a dad today not the same as in years past it's a new era which means dads need to have new skills according to a new survey here's a rundown of the top skills modern dads have to master they have to be able to cook a meal yeah. And not throw chicken tenders in the microwave. Especially because it's, you know, two-income families now are Moms a common work, thing. Moms yep. are working, man. Providing the best environment for a good education. Guiding through kids through college. Setting up the Wi-Fi and the Netflix account. Yeah, you have to have... Uh, Some technical skills. You can't be a Luddite like in the past, like, oh, dad doesn't know how to work the remote control. Mm-hmm. You can't do that stuff anymore. Assembling furniture from a box. Some other uh, uh, skills listed in the survey one. include teaching a son how to shave, which that's an old time one. That's through history. My dad never I'm, taught me how to shave. He no? bought me an electric razor. He's like, here, use that. <laughs> it was not like a moment. Yeah, he never taught me how to tie a tie like or shave you, or any of that kind of stuff. looked in the mirror together and No, shaved. yeah, like they do in the movie. Right. I Val, I don't think that ever happens. No? I, don't, I don't know. Mike, did your old man put you next to him in the mirror and teach you how to shave? No, I used to watch him when I was a little right. kid. And I... Picked up on it. My parents just let me figure a lot of stuff out. Yeah, mine too. They were more willing to point out when I screwed up. <laughs> when you didn't figure it out As opposed right. to being proactive and actually instruct. Hey, you moron, you got to shave both sides of your face. Yeah, they just, you know, <laughs> trial and error, they were right. they focused on the error and right. was what it was. Okay. Uh untying <laughs> difficult knots? I don't have issues about it or anything. No. None of us do. Replacing a favorite toy when an old one breaks, knowing the words of pop songs, knowing how to braid hair. See, dads are so much better than that with that kind of stuff now than they used to be because the stigma used to be that dads like out of they, touch and... they parent the sons and moms take care of the daughter stuff. Mm-hmm. And now nobody has that luxury. My dad pretty much taught me sports stuff. Yeah, me too. 80% agree And there. gambling. <laughs> and academics if I was struggling but the rest of it hey figure it out yeah 80% agree there are far more skills modern dads have to master now than their own fathers had to 57% agree they spend more time with their kids than their dad spent with them when they were little they have to learn how to put their hair in a man bun have to learn how to make pickles <laughs> sunny low 80s today upper 50s overnight it's 59 at DVE the inimitable Gene Collier from uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us right now Gino good morning how are you Good morning. Thanks very much. I just want to mention that when my father taught me how to shave, he said, and I quote, be careful or you'll cut your head off. <laughs> in fact, I thought that's why we were shaving over the sink, because if I cut my head off, it'd just fall in the sink you know, instead, of, instead of bounding down the stairs. Because <laughs> mom always used to say, if I see one more severed head come bounding down these stairs, you got trouble. <laughs> 
Uh, Gene, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, the big news with Rob Rogers being let yeah. go at the Post-Gazette. Now, this did not really come as a surprise to those of us paying attention to what's been going on there. Uh, reaction has been uh, extreme, uh, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of hate for the Post-Gazette right now, which is seemingly going under a complete ideology overhaul under the new uh, editor. Is it Keith Butler? What? Not Butler. Keith um, Burns? Bur- Burris. Burris. He's, uh, yeah, he's editor of the editorial page and the op-ed page. Okay. Um, so, Brian O'Neill, your uh, contemporary, said mm-hmm. something that I'm going to take to heart, which is that there's a lot of important work being done at the Post-Gazette still, including like what happened with Tim Murphy in his seat. That was due to Paula Reed's uh, right. reporting. And if, if you want to see that kind of stuff continue, you stay with the Post-Gazette. If you bail, um, you bail on the good work of Gene Collier, Tony Norman, uh, Ed Bouchette, Scott Mervis, Dan Giggler, uh, Brian O'Neill, Gino Collier, and, and more. And, uh, you know, I'm sticking with it for you guys. But that was uh, that was a little bit of a blow yesterday. Yeah, it was a very dark day. I mean, uh, publishers and newspapers everywhere, you know, have uh, decisions to make constantly. Sometimes they make terrific decisions. Sometimes they make terrible decisions, and that was a terrible decision. It was disgusting. Um, but uh, as Tony uh, wrote and chastised, chastised himself for using the cliche, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, we need journalists now more than ever, and uh, we have um, 150 of them at the Post-Gazette. Uh, they're, they're quality people, award-winning people. They're serving the community. The community without uh, the Post-Gazette is, um, you know, really unthinkable. I hear a lot of people making analogies to other businesses, and th- the logical part of my brain wants to accept the argument, well, hey, they're just making a different product now. And so, of course, they would get rid of the guy who makes Mexican food because they're making Chinese food now. Um, But newspapers have always been different. Well, the product is the truth and uh, the search for the truth and the presentation of the best available version of the truth. And uh, if you give up on the truth, you can give up on everything. So, should we give up on the pirates? <laughs> well, that uh, changes week to week, too. Uh, and some terrible decisions have been made over there. Like one this week where we walked the eighth hitter to face the pitcher, then tried to pick the eighth hitter off first base, allowing the runner on third to score. Um, you know when's a good time to throw the ball toward first base when there's a runner on third base? Never. But uh, we did it. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll have another version of uh, last Sunday's What's Up With These Pirates uh, harangue on Sunday in your Post-Gazette. Please buy it. Why is it that it seems not... The Steelers are having this issue, too, and it might be a professional sport problem, but when I was a kid, the guys who made it to the professional level had the fundamentals down. Yeah. Well... It's kind of how they got to the professional level. Right. Kind of how they got to the professional level. Well, let's, I mean, this is, you know, my grandfather's argument, and, uh, you know, now it's mine. Uh, At one time, the professional level was only half the number of players. So 
you really had to know how to play. Now, I mean, when I was a little boy, Randy, <laughs> there were eight National League teams. Uh, now, of course, there are 15. Um, so that's a lot of players who, you know, aren't, uh, may have the skills to play at the level, but not the knowledge of the game. And, you know, we're focused on the Pirates, of course, and they make a lot of mistakes, a lot of base running mistakes, a lot of throwing to the wrong base mistakes. But I watch a lot of baseball, and every team has that. That's just the way. Neil Huntington told me last year that they have never had to, and again, this is not just the Pirates, they have never had to do so much remedial work at the big league level as they do now. That's crazy to me. I mean, you heard, even with the Steelers, Tom Bradley saying he's going to focus on fundamentals and tackling. They're in the NFL. Yeah. I know. Well, again, uh, we are an analytics-driven culture now, and um, things that can be measured and quantified seem to hold sway over things like, does this guy know what he's doing? So, let me ask you about Rivera. The name change. Oh, yeah. Vasquez. Uh, Right. It's hard to not think somehow it's played a role in him going down to tubes. Well, all of his blown saves has, have come as Vasquez, <laughs> as, as the player to be nameless. Um, you know, he's an infuriating uh, player from the fan standpoint, I think. I mean, here's, here's a guy who uh, can throw the ball 97, 99, 100, 101 miles an hour, and he's slopping up these different breaking pitches for God knows what reason. You should put those pitches in his pocket and leave them there. Uh, I don't understand what he's doing out there. Now, he's got some mechanical problems where he, he can't always repeat his delivery or duplicate his release point and all of that kind of stuff. But if you can throw like that, what 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 are you fooling around out there for? I don't get it. Gene Collier, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, last uh, thing I have for you. I like Musgrove sure. a lot. Um, I, like, huh? I, I like the fact that he slid hard into second base and then was ready to beat up Javi because he needed to get beat up. And uh, and he wimped out on that a little bit. Once Musgrove walked back at him, all of a sudden it was hey, hey, hey. you know you can't you can't even can't slide in the second at all now apparently. Uh, but you know he protected his players the other night in Arizona. And as arcane as it might seem, that's always been part of the game. And he handled it the way you're supposed to handle it, which they didn't do against the Cubs a few weeks before. I think this guy. It might be the attitude in the rotation that they need. You know, a guy who's old school baseball without being a total meathead. So once out of every five games, they're fine. <laughs> no, I, I, I was glad to see what he did. I mean, I, I think that's uh, up to the players. I think they have a, a better understanding of what is dirty and what is not and what the right reaction to it is. Um, uh, yeah, I was disappointed when they didn't retaliate a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Musgrove does retaliate in Arizona, and he gets criticized for that because people think it sparked that rally, which I don't think it did. It didn't help, but it didn't turn that game around. The wild pitch probably had more to right. do with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the and the uh, what was six subsequent runs, by the way. But just to follow up to that, Gene, wouldn't it make more sure. sense going back to your argument about intentionally walking a guy and then trying to pick him off? If you're going to plunk someone with a 5 nothing lead, wouldn't it make more sense, instead of the leadoff guy, to maybe see if you get two more outs and then the pitcher is scheduled to bat third and you can deal directly with that pitcher who threw the pitch that so incensed you? After, by the way, you had already hit two guys in this game yourself. 
Yeah, uh, I'll defer to you, Mike. I couldn't say it any better myself. Gene Collier, who we have on to confirm our own bias. <laughs> At your service. Hey, uh, hang in there. I know that was a tough day for everyone at the Post-Gazette yesterday. And, uh, you know, by and large, the city's uh, behind you guys. And like I said, I'm sticking with uh, the Post-Gazette. I'm not canceling my subscription because uh, I want to support you and Dulac and Bouchette and, uh, you know, everyone else I'd mentioned earlier, Tony Norman and Brian O'Neill and Paula Reed Ward, who did uh, that fantastic investigative journalism that we need out of the Post-Gazette. Everybody's. Everybody at the paper appreciates that, Randy, and uh, I hope they take um, your thoughts um, to heart because uh, we need the, we really need the Post Gazette, and we need all kinds of uh, uh, journalism in the country right now. Yeah, no, I think it's horrific what they did, and it it, it it's a very scary harbinger. But hopefully. You know, people like you guys uh, are going to continue to do the great work we need, and uh, that'll get us out of this mess. Thanks, Randy. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you, man. Okay. Gene Collier of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Pulitzer Prize losing columnist. When we come back, Mike Pursuta with a sports update for you. They broke camp. No, not broke camp. They left camp. You you see when you break camp, that's when you start it, but shouldn't it be when you end it? Yeah. You break it down. Yeah, you break it. Yeah. No, when you break camp, you've left. Oh, Okay. What, I thought when you started it, it was called break two. It's like no. commencement. That always messes me up. You show up and you stay there a while and they say leave. <laughs> but when you graduate, they call it commencement, right? Yes. But isn't that the beginning? A, the, Samer- the ceremony is a commencement. The act is uh, you are matriculating, right? I See, this is why we need the Post-Gazette. <laughs> or dictionary.com. One of the two. All right. Uh, Jason Bonham. Val had a chance to talk to the uh, now legendary... Rock and roll uh, drummer. He's more than just offspring at this point, but boy, he has to answer questions about his dad constantly because I didn't ask him any. Good for you. See, that's why Val. I mean, a he's bat. been around so long yeah. That, yeah. that he's been asked those huh. questions a bazillion times. See, Val knows. She's no, she's no spring chicken. Wait a minute, that's going to sound wrong. What I mean by that <laughs> is, you know what you're doing, friends. DVE Sports. Hey, Mike, stop me if you heard this one before. Being reported out of Las Vegas that the Raiders now fear Martavis Bryant may be suspended. (laughs) Is that unbelievable? Wow. So he met with the league a month ago, and apparently everything was okay, so it had to be something that happened in the last four months. Or four weeks, rather. Multiple team officials declined comment as they left for a week-long break before training camp, but they acknowledged the club is awaiting final word on the situation. It is believed to pertain to the NFL's substance abuse policy. Stunning. Stunning. Unbelievable. Any future misstep after his last infraction with the substance abuse policy could prompt a year or longer suspension. Great move. Getting rid of that guy. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Josh Gordon scenario. Uh, you know, it's not a year suspension; it's at least a year. So, yeah, that was. I do feel bad for the kid. Like he's obviously got some major issues, but um, get some help. Yeah, he, I mean, you've got it. It he did you not have Im- access to it. He did not impress me as a character guy in his time here. 
He said during a news conference April 27th, he embraced a clean slate and a fresh start in Oakland. He said that he would take proper steps to ensure he had a long-term Raiders future. Just by handling my business as a man, Bryant said, it's not my first rodeo. I've had my difficulties in the past, but I've come a long way from that. It's all about keeping the right resources around me and continuing to stay on the right path. I'm going to make sure that I get that done. Word of possible league discipline has reached various corners of the locker room. He practiced Tuesday and Wednesday, did not participate in Thursday's minicamp conclusion. And uh, he's looking at a year or more right now. Man. 126 receptions, 1,900 yards receiving, 17 touchdowns, 50 catches last year. 603 yards. He has all the talent in the world. Yeah. A catch in Cincinnati in the uh, one of Montez, the best I ever in saw. The Montez Perfect game. Yeah, that's what he's capable of. But you got to give yourself a chance to be that. Now that it, once again is Rappaport is putting that out there, but it's being reported by Michael Galkin. He's a beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Probably works with our friend Johnny Saracino out there. Probably does. Yeah. Okay. Just thought you might like to hear that. It's interesting. I mean, I thought it was a great trade, just the value they got back for him. I wasn't necessarily thinking it was a great trade because they dumped a guy who was sure to be suspended again. Right. That was was certainly the reason there was no way in hell they were going to re-sign him after this year. So, there you go. Sports This Hour is brought to you by Mattress Firm. Um... We didn't talk a lot about Randy Feekner this week. Uh, I got so into the uh, reaction to the Antonio Brown little mini meltdown and uh, our discussion about pressure yesterday. Uh, Randy Feekner talked with the media this week, as did uh, defense coordinator Keith Butler. And Randy Feekner has opened for himself uh, a whole uh, can of worms, Randall, because uh, he, was, he was asked about now being the offensive coordinator rather than just the quarterback's coach and how everybody uh, is a – an OC at heart, and and the plays always get critiqued, particularly when they don't work. And uh, you got to face that criticism. Everybody knows what you should have done as opposed to what you did. And Randy Finkner's response was, "Hey, bring it. I want to hear it. I want to hear from the fans. <laughs> he shouldn't have said I, that. I want to know what you're thinking." Well, I would say that specifically here, and I've always said this, hey, you're the true fan, and you've been with us the whole time, and, and from, from birth and all that, and you buy a ticket out to the stadium, and, and you have never wavered, then you have the right. In other places where I have coordinated, where you had to make calls, uh, it ends up being no different. I, I, you know, in college, you tailgate with the, the booster group after the games, and that's the, the support group that helps you out, and your wife and kids are and they were this big, and they're running around, they're having a blast, then all of a sudden, oh, we didn't play so well today. And all of a sudden, there's these little comments, and there wasn't quite a great affair after the game. But I'm going to still go, and we're still going to be there. Is that tradition you're going to revive here? You're going to go out in the parking lot after? <laughs> no, 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 we don't have that. But that just is in general. And, I, and I, again, I get it. And when you take that position, you know, that's that's the that's the, the role that's got to land on your shoulders. Now, I might have overstated that just a bit when I said bring it, but you have the right. You have the right. What a dumbass play call that was. You have the right as long as you've been a fan all along. Interesting uh, ascension to the position for Randy Figner. There's never been an offensive coordinator since Joe Walton, anyways, that hasn't caught tons of crap. It always goes with the job here. And it's funny 
because the identity of the team will always be like this idea of steel curtain and defense. The offense is so maligned. It was like most prolific offense the last two years probably in, in the league, cumulatively. I, I, I'm guessing they're in the top three. A lot of numbers for a, a lot of years here under Todd And Hale. they get bashed constantly. It's yeah. never good enough. And never. Yeah, so maybe maybe Figner's actually got this figured out. Hey, it's going to be there anyway. You might as well embrace it. You know, I just have more questions about his bona fides as offensive coordinator. I don't know what he's done that is all of a sudden, you know, makes him a, a much better candidate for this job than Todd Haley. I know that Todd Haley had to go; that personality issues played as big of a part in that as anything. But how are we better because Randy Feekner is the offensive coordinator? Well, that uh, that is uh, remaining to be seen. We can tell you this much about Randy Feekner. Uh, he's not an offensive coordinator that has uh, a philosophy he's married to. He doesn't have uh, a modus operandi, mostly because he hasn't coordinated in the NFL. He's only done it in college. He was a spread guy in college in his last job at Memphis before he came here, but he's not going to turn the Steelers into a uh, more of a spread team than they are now. They actually uh, run multiple wideouts quite a bit. But uh, to Randy Figner, uh, from his way of thinking, players are uh, at least as important as plays if not more important than plays i think it, it boils down to uh players and their ability to make plays come alive and you put them in the best position to be able to make a play and, and that's what the whole game is to me about professional football you may average like 70 plays in a game one week you might throw it 40 times and you run it 30 one week you throw, have to throw it 50 to try and win a game it's going to be about trying to win a game and again always keeping in mind that the guys that can put the ball in the end zone are the guys that you're going to and that can com- convert third downs running it throwing it whatever it takes uh, that you're putting them in a position to have success. Yeah, so it sounds like he's thinking it's going to be, hey, it's third and whatever from the 20-yard line. How do we get it to Antonio Brown on this player? How do we get it to Le'Veon Bell on this player? Who, who's going to convert that third down for us? Not necessarily this play will work. And uh, not uh, not the worst uh, theory in the world. Uh, U.S. Open continues today. Shinnecock Hills, four guys were under par yesterday. They were all minus one, <laughs> 15 to 20 mile an hour wins, and some huge numbers. 189 double bogeys or worse. Wow. Have fun, boys. Jason Bonham, legendary drummer. Val had a chance to talk with Jason Bonham yesterday afternoon, and we have her interview with him coming up next. Oh. Joining us now, Jason Bonham. He'll be with his band, the Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin Evening, and White Snake and Foreigner that showed June 27th at Key Bank Pavilion. Jason, I saw you with Cheap Trick and Foreigner last summer at Key Bank Pavilion, and you know sometimes the band who opens the show might have a kind of a sparse crowd, but man, you had a huge crowd there. That. That was the thing that surprised me last year when I agreed to do the tour. I said, usually the way I do this, as it is a side project, this isn't my main thing, this is what I do when I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually done with the video screens and home movies and we talk and it's a lot more of a three-hour event. To go on and play these songs at, in daylight at 7 o'clock, I was like, no one's going to be there. Um, but every night, it was it was it was tear. You know, it was give me a lump in my throat, and I was proved wrong every day. It was uh, an amazing thing, and that's why when they asked me to do it again, I said, "Count me in. I'm doing. I, I'm I'm down. I'll do it." And you know, White Snake, I've known those guys for years, so I'm 
Looking forward to seeing those guys. Yeah, and Reb Beach, uh, Pittsburgh guy, is in White Snake, so uh, you know it'll be fun to see him back here too. And the bass player you saw with us last year was my original bass player who stood in last year because the bass player he he found for me once he left and joined White Snake, which is Michael Devon. Um, He's now going to be back on the tour, but with White Snake this time, and not uh, not helping us out like he did last year. So last summer you toured. The name was Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Experience. This year it's yes. Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening. Why the name change? Politics and uh, a request from my dear friends um, that they had with the 50 year anniversary coming up. They had an idea for the terminology, the Led Zeppelin experience, and they wanted just to make sure that uh, it didn't affect what they had planned. And I wasn't going to go, hey, no way. (laughs) So um, it's a win-win for all of us, but I just wanted to make sure it was another E word because I had the logo, like you saw last year, would be the huge J-B-L-Z-E. So I was going, what are we going to call it? So uh, once I, you know, and usually it's it's kind of cool, you know. It's either an evening with Led Zeppelin or Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin evening. So. <laughs> so are you involved with any of the 50th anniversary plans? No. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, as far as I, I don't know anything about what's going on, because they know I have a loose tongue. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing you have a, a great relationship with those guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, as I've got older, you know, it's one of those things you just, um, now I live in the States, I don't see Robert as much as I used to. Um, what we find now, it's more an event when, if he's playing, you know, I'll go and see him, or uh, he'll surprise me, or every now and again a phone call. But, um, yeah, they're the kind of guys that when you see them, and you haven't seen them for a long time, it's the conversation carries on like you've just with them yesterday. How many bands are you in? Uh, right now, I think it's three. Okay. But I don't count my own band, so two. <laughs> I mean, my main band is with Sammy Hager and Michael Anthony. We we just finished, well, we'll be finishing off the new album. So um, the there'll circle. be a new Circle album coming out um, for next year. Um, now, will I you guys tour? Like to do... Sorry? Will you guys tour? Yes. I mean, we're going to go back out on the... I think we've got a few shows lined up. I think Sammy's already got me lined up with doing... I think we've got about five or six shows, maybe ten, before the end of the year. And then uh, we'll plan to promote the new album next year. Cool. And the other band? Black Country Communion um, with Glenn Hughes and Chabonamassa, which is more of like a project. uh, But we are talking about possibly doing some more touring we've only ever did with the last album we just did number four we only did two shows so we said uh, you know we need to give the fans something so uh, this you know we'll see there's a lot of politics with all of those ones <laughs> i think glenn hughes is actually coming here in a, in a month or so so uh, it'll be cool to see amazing him. singer if you haven't seen him go and see him the guy is still phenomenal so so what what do you listen to in your spare time? Do you listen to classic rock? Or are you out there looking for new bands? Um, I, I'm very, very, very into um, a new band 
that I got turned on to about three years ago called Royal Blood. Oh, those guys are awesome. Drum, drummer and a bass player. I mean, and it's like, but the bass player has this way of making the guitar and the bass sound. Oh, I saw them in a club in Fort Lauderdale four days ago. Oh, my, it was the most inspirational show I've seen in 25 years. Yeah, it's unbelievable the sound they get out of just bass and drums. And such nice guys. They, uh, oh, it was, oh, um, I can't explain how great it was. It was mind-blowing. Have you heard Greta Van Fleet? Yeah, um, and I feel sorry for the hype they're getting. Um, you know, I, I, it, it worries me that they're getting that much pressure because, uh, you know, it, it's more Black Crows to me than, than Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just because the... Uh, if he didn't stand with his hand on his hip, then that's <laughs> the thing that's more annoying. Um, the voice doesn't really sound like he's high he's he's got a high screamy voice but i don't get the comparison to robert really so who's in your band who's in jason bonham's led zeppelin evening um guitarist is a new guitarist we got last year called jimmy sakurai from tokyo japanese guy which is difficult at some band meetings because he has to have a translator there because he doesn't understand as much English as we'd like him to. Okay. Um, but his knowledge is phenomenal from every live every live bootleg to every studio, different versions. Amazing. Um, then there's James Dillon, who I found, who's been with me since day one, from uh, I found him on a virtual Led Zeppelin site. It was called Virtual Zeppelin. Um, amazing singer, also guitarist, so occasionally he'll pick up and play acoustic and on different songs. Dorian Hart's song was found by Michael Devon, uh, who's now in Whitesnake, um, after he did the first tour. Another great musician, drummer also, and he also plays mandolin. And um, new, one of the new guys that Dorian found for me five years ago was um, Alex Howland on keyboards and guitar. So he's our, he's our, he's our JPJ. <laughs> Very good. Now, do you get to do you get time off? I mean, I don't know how, what your schedule is. If you're playing every day, do you get time to explore the area that you're playing in? Have you have you had any cool experiences in Pittsburgh? Um, I, you, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh in my in my days, and I actually use I'm actually using Pittsburgh as a hub between shows. So. Um, I'll be in there. I'll be going to Pittsburgh on the way from the gig in Kingston um, after, which is a headline show we're doing on our way to Cincinnati. So I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be kind of there beforehand. Of um, yeah, I played the Three River Regatta with Foreigner back in the time, and mm-hmm. uh, I like going. What's where the old um, what's the college area? There's a great Hibachi place in that like college area on the other side of the river. Over by Duquesne, maybe. Yeah, like a little kind of cool hippie street with like shops and there's a there's an old theater where bands used to play. Oh, well, the South Side. There. Yeah, the South yeah. Side, Nakama. A fantastic hibachi Japanese restaurant there, which I love. So yeah, I know it. Cool. Well, uh, if you get some spare time, we'd love it to have you drop by the studio if you got the time. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll look at the uh, look at the schedules. It's um, you know, we, we just said so we just got back from New Zealand and, and, and Australia, and that was uh, 
trying to, you know, to have to get enough here that side of the world to try and fit in. I went to Hobbiton, where they did the filming of The Lord of the Rings. Oh, cool. Even though it was, was a three-and-a-half-hour drive out of town, we, we did it, my wife and I, and it was, yeah, we try and get it to, to as many things as possible now. Well, good. Pittsburgh has a ton of great restaurants, so definitely check some of those out. Thank you very much. Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin evening, along with Whitesnake and Foreigner at Key Bank Pavilion, June 27th. Get there early to see these guys. They're awesome. Jason, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Well, being a dad today, not the same as in years past. It's a new era, which means dads need to have new skills. According to a new survey, here's a rundown of the top skills modern dads have to master. They have to be able to cook a meal. Some other Uh, uh, skills listed in the survey include teaching a son how to shave, which that's an old time one. Inimitable Gene Collier from uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us right now. Gino, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks very much. I just want to mention that when my father taught me how to shave, he said, and I quote, be careful or you'll cut your head off. (laughs) In fact, I thought that's why we were shaving over the sink, because if I cut my head off, it'd just fall in the sink. Instead of of bounding down the stairs. (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Val Porter with your news right now on the DVE Morning Show. Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by BridgevilleAppliance.com. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's the word? Sports is brought to you by BobbyRayhall.com. Sad news about Joe DiNardo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, an iconic broadcaster and one of the most charismatic and nicest guys I've ever met in this business, or any business for that matter. Yeah, he, he was a hell of a guy. He, uh, I mean, I think I only met him once or twice when I first started, but uh, his iconic status is without question. Yeah, but I just wanted to say, say that he was. Uh, I didn't know him well, but I knew him a little bit. And uh, did a little work over there over the years, and uh, what a nice man. Well, you know, sometimes weather guys can seem squirrely, and he was like a tough Pittsburgh guy. <laughs> yeah, he was. You know what I mean? But the kind you definitely wanted to have a beer with. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't squirrely. Pirates uh, are getting ready to host the Reds tonight. Uh, it's the first of three with Cincinnati at PNC, and the first of a 10-game homestand that will also see the Pirates entertain the Brewers and the Diamondbacks through June the 21st. Matt Harvey tonight for Cincinnati. He's 1-4 with a 5.97 ERA. Guess who the one was against, Randy? Uh, the Pirates? Yeah, May 22nd. Uh, Harvey got his lone win of the year against the Bucks. He'll be opposed by Chad Cool, 4-4 four four with a 3.95 ERA. Cool has a 3.10 ERA over his last seven games. And the Pirates are four and three in those games. So if uh, your team is under five hundred overall, but uh, they're over five hundred when you pitch, that would make you part of the solution, not part of the problem, right? right? At least yeah. that's the way it's worked out the last seven for Chad Cole. Uh, the Bucks are four and three against the Reds this year, but they are seven and eighteen in their last twenty-five. Uh, that's uh, thirty-three and thirty-five overall. Eight games behind the first-place Brewers in the NL Central. The Pirates are fourth in the division, ahead of only the last-place Reds, who come to town 25-43 and 43 overall and 4-6 and six 
in their last 10 games. The Steelers wrapped up mandatory veteran minicamp yesterday. Uh, that was on the heels of three weeks of OTAs. Now they've got some time off until everyone's due to report to St. Vincent College in Latrobe on July the 25th for the start of training camp. Uh, a lot of talk about what's going to be different this year. Uh, new people coming in on defense, new alignments, uh, perhaps some new schemes, but uh, don't be fooled into thinking anybody has forgotten how last year ended. Uh, defensive coordinator Keith Butler clearly has not. He uh, remembers well Jaguars 45, Steelers 42. You remember that crap like it's yesterday. It bothers, it bothers me. I know it bothers me. I know it bothers our players. You know, We know what happened in the game. We didn't stop the run. and We let them score too much. <laughs> didn't didn't stop the run at all and let him score way too much. Outside linebackers coach Joey Porter hasn't forgotten that one either. All you can do is start over, but to say it didn't leave a sour taste in the mouth, it definitely did because, you know, that type of game is what the Steelers are, are based on playing. Like, you're going to come here trying to run the ball? Like, that's our, that's what we want. That's our strength. That's what the Steelers are known for, and it didn't go our way. So everybody has a better taste in the mouth, coaches included. So, it's something that we want to address and something that we're going to address, and I think we got the pieces and the tools to do it. So now we're just looking forward to the season. What's the first step to address it? Getting better, not letting them run the ball. I mean, just knowing your assignment, knowing where you're supposed to be, trusting the guy next to you, making sure that nobody does anything selfish that allows these gaps and holes to happen. If you play the defense and do exactly what you're supposed to do and everybody comes to tackle, it works out. But sometimes in defenses, you have mistakes where a guy get out the gap or do something like that, and those holes are exploded. Like in the NFL, you, you leave a crease, the running back's going to find it. You got you can't leave the creases. Everybody got to take care of their gap. And when you're doing that, you're usually playing good football. Yeah, even defensive backs coach Tom Bradley, who wasn't here last year, has grasped the Steelers' displeasure with how last year ended, particularly on defense. You know, obviously, I think I know that they've got some things that are, that are kind of in their craw. You know, I sense it when you when we talk about different things. But um, you know, I'm just trying to get through these days right now with us fundamentally getting better each and every day. I just sense that there's some things that they know they could have done a better job on, and they and they want it, and they're hey, they're professionals. You know, they're competitive guys. You know, they they want to do it. They want to win all the time, and they know they can do better. Last but not least, uh, we'll revisit. New offensive coordinator Randy Feekner and his uh, relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, as quarterbacks coach, Feekner and Roethlisberger developed a strong bond, a real close relationship, a great friendship. Uh, now that Feekner's the OC, is he uh, able to maintain that same type of relationship with Big Ben? The relationship has always been respect uh, first. He knows I'm going to give him an honest day's work, whether I'm his quarterback coach, whether I'm his offensive coordinator, whether I'm both, or whether I'm just his friend, and, and I'm not here. I'm going to be his friend for a long time, and that's not going to change. And it's not going to change whether we win, win ugly, win great. It's not going to change. Uh, we have a communication line. Uh, there's respect there, and we'll move forward with that. It's going to be an exciting camp, and, and when I say exciting not exciting in anticipating great things, but exciting as in, well, I wonder how this is going to work out. <laughs> right. Which is a little different than the way it's been around here, but is what it is.
That's sports. Mike, proceeded with your sports there on the DVE Morning Show. We'll get one more from Gardashake before we get out of here today. Comedy Fest Day 2. Tickets still available for the 420 Doug Benson, Doug Loves Movies podcast. It's 11. It's 60 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by the new PPG Science Pavilion at Carnegie Science Center, built to inspire. Some sad news to report about a Pittsburgh broadcasting legend, longtime Channel 4 meteorologist Joe DiNardo has passed away. He was 87 years old. That news breaking this morning, and uh, we've got his. Uh, there's a link to a Channel Four story on our website, dve.com. Just go to the morning show page. Legend. Yeah. An absolute legend. Yeah. The U.S. Senate is set to vote on a farm bill that would legalize industrial hemp nationwide. Uh, it includes Mitch McConnell's own Hemp Farming Act, which would remove industrial hemp from the list of controlled substances under federal law. The Agriculture Committee considered over 60 amendments. The bill will be voted on before the July 4th recess. Well, how many people do you trust? According to a new survey, the average person trusts just four people. The survey revealed that while 97% of people believe themselves to be honest and trustworthy when it comes to trusting others, they only have faith in a few people. So who's the person people trust the most? Sorry, Dad, I know this is a big weekend for you, but it's moms that people trust the most. 47% of respondents said they could confide in their mother without fear. Only 36% said the same about their dad. Uh, I don't trust either of them with any information <laughs> that's gossip about my other siblings. <laughs> There's no way I could tell my mom or my dad anything about one of my brothers or sisters and then say, all right, now, don't say don't, anything right. about it. And have any faith at all that they would keep it to themselves. <laughs> they, they're incapable. <laughs> but with big stuff, yeah, you know. You could confide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. I killed my bookie and buried him. Yeah, that, that's They not, would keep yeah. that secret yeah. forever. No problem. Researchers have found that women today speak at a deeper pitch than their grandmothers or even their mothers. Scientists from Australia found the fundamental frequency of the voices of women have dropped on average from an A sharp to a G sharp. I don't know how much of a change that is. They claim it's big. The biggest reason for the change, according to researchers, is the increase in the number of women in prominent roles in society in the workplace. They tend to speak in deeper tones to project authority. Because of this, other women have followed and subconsciously have altered their voices as well. That's interesting. If you sound like Michelle Wolf, it's hard to uh, <laughs> commandeer a boardroom. Maybe. I don't know. According to these researchers. Um, you may have heard this one before, but the Loch Ness Monster is out there. Well, now a team of researchers is hoping they have what it takes to find the legendary sea creature of Scottish lore. Uh, this time around, a team of international scientists on a high-tech hunt making use of environmental DNA to document all the life forms in the loch. Whatever they collect will be sequenced at labs in uh, France and Denmark and compared with databases around the globe to determine if what they've uncovered may in fact be a new species, possibly even proof of Nessie. So they hope to have that done by January. I, I don't know why they keep doing that. This is like the dumbest thing ever. If there was a Loch Ness Monster, a dead Loch Ness Monster would have washed up somewhere <laughs> by, by now. By now, yes. Well, we increasingly see weird names for kids, some parents regretting it, Immediately, one woman telling the story of giving birth and the doctor asking uh, the baby's name. And while explaining the name and its meaning, she started feeling pangs of guilt. Her now eight-month-old daughter is named Tova 
but it's spelled T-O-V-E. In Sweden, they pronounce it Tuva. Uh, the Seattle couple changed the pronunciation, though. Her husband is Swedish, she's Jewish, and a version of the name is popular in both. Uh, but they are regretting their decision. Another couple named their kid Mangum <laughs> after their favorite musician from the band Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Uh, according to the Social Security Administration, a couple of names are on the rise include Cairo and Zed or Zaid, Z A Y D for boys, and Oaklyn, O A K L Y N N, and Paisley for girls. Some other unconventional names on the rise include Ensley, which is the name of one of the kids on Teen Mom, Jules, a variation of Julian, Melania is big. Uh, some pop culture names on the rise over the last couple of years include Alessia, Miley, and Khaleesi, which isn't Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. Yeah. And Ledger, another name on the rise. That's strange. And the, Ledger. Yeah. I, I guess after Heath Ledger, or maybe there's a character in something named Ledger. I also think there's like a uh, trend towards people wanting to name their kids, that, uh, give them a name that sounds like an occupation. <laughs> Forster, it seemed, Ledger. It seemed for a while that old... Lumberjack, get <laughs> over here! <laughs> uh, Forrester, I, I could totally see somebody naming their kid that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it just sounds like people want to give their kids names occupation. Well, isn't that how... Wait, isn't that I how say that right, but you last, know I mean. last names originated? Yeah, like Schwarzenegger? Like, it's something you did? Yeah. Isn't Schwarzenegger like... Guy who rides ox or something like that. Guy who lifts a lot of weights and gets his housekeeper pregnant. I think it has something to do <laughs> Guy who impregnates Mexican <laughs> housekeeper, like all his German ancestors did before him. Hold on, I'm looking up Schwarzenegger. They said for a I mean, I don't know if it's still uh, a trend, but for a while, old names were po- popular, like Esther or Evelyn. Yeah, like they were very popular for a couple of years, but now I guess it's the unusual names that are Harrower of the Dark Fields. Dark Harrower of the Fields. That's what Schwarzenegger means. What does Bauman mean? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 I guess it, I had a lot there were a lot of porters in my family. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. You have an occupation. I don't know. I looked up uh, the meaning of my last name. Um, peasant. Neighbor. Fellow citizen. That's about right. All around good guy. Yeah. German, Dutch, Jewish, Ashkenazi status name for peasant or nickname meaning neighbor. Yeah. Well, we won't were, you be my Bauman? We were German Catholic. <laughs> yeah, won't you be my Bauman? <laughs> uh, believe it or not, the first pumpkin spice items have hit shelves already. Some guy in Wisconsin. It's 82 degrees. Yeah. It's June. Uh, the some sun, guy, it's not even summer solstice yet. I'll give you su- I'll give you September for the pumpkin stuff. Uh, some guy in Wisconsin spotted Special K pumpkin spice crunch cereal at a Walmart this weekend and went viral. Nah, I don't know. Pittsburgh's own Jeff Goldblum just got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It was unveiled this week and is located on Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Hologram USA Theater, which is that what the Kodak Theater has become? I believe so, yeah. Uh, uh, his first movie was Death Wish in 1974. He played a bad guy. Uh, according to the story in the Post-Gazette, he's made 53 films with nearly $6 billion in box office receipts. 
Toto's Steve Lukather is kind of digging Weezer's surprise hit cover of their 1982, Toto's 1982 hit, Africa. In a recent interview, Lukather said, quote, no one, quote, is laughing harder than me. Nobody appreciates it more than all of us at Toto. A week before they released their cover of Africa, Weezer delivered a cover of another Toto classic, Rosanna. Lukather also hinted Toto might reciprocate by covering a Weezer hit. Have you heard the... I like it. Africa? I like it, but it's not like they made it their own that much other than like amping up the chorus a little bit. They put a little more guitar on the chorus, but yeah. it sounds like a really faithful rendition. Yeah, I got it here. Mostly good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. They do Rosanna also. They did, yeah. I don't have that handy. I mean, I could get it, I guess. This is a hit now, though. It's like getting play yeah. all over the country. They, this is the live version they did on Jimmy Kimmel on Tuesday night. Oh, okay. So, um, I was going to say that mix didn't sound Yeah. like the other one because they, they really... I, I had a hard time discerning between River's voice and the actual original vocal. Yeah. Uh, David Spade has paid tribute to his late sister-in-law, fashion designer Kate Spade, by making a large donation to a mental health organization. The comedian and actor has pledged $100,000 to the National Alliance on Mental Illness in honor of Kate, who committed suicide last week. And finally, Breaking the Band Van Halen, a documentary containing new interviews with Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar, will premiere on The Reels channel tomorrow night. Sunny, low 80s for the high today, upper 50s overnight at 62 at DVE. Lady Fest going on this weekend upstairs on the Point Park University stage in the Permanis DVE coffee house. We have the band Garter Shake. Jen, Becky, Mora, and Steve make up the band. How you guys doing? Hey, great. How are you? Awesome. Look at how happy and excited you We're guys stoked. are. stoked. It's We're Lady Fest happy. weekend. It is Lady Fest weekend. <laughs> I like the... Now, this was originally... Uh, this fest was uh, um, taken from another festival, which was Volva Fest. Was that what it was? Volva Palooza. Volva Palooza. Uh, but this is the fifth year as Lady Fest. Okay. And and this is a festival that's all about promoting women and gender non-binary musicians over okay. four venues over the whole weekend. Um, so that's why you switched from Volva. You wanted it to be less specific. It's, well, it's inclusive of all women. Right. So that's why it's called Lady Fest. All women and women identifying and femme identifying people. Okay. So you guys made it smaller this year, right? Well, there's one less venue this year. Um, so, but it's it's pretty big. It uh, starts tonight. There's a venue tonight. We run all evening and night tomorrow at Spirit, which is where we'll be playing. I love the stage there. Well, actually, both of them. But uh, that upstairs room, I think, is great. Yeah, we're really excited to be there. We hope to pack the room. I think it'll be jammed. Everyone's planning on going there. I mean, lots yeah. of people are talking about it. Yeah, and you know, Alice Bag is going to be headlining on Saturday. She's playing just a couple bands after we do. We're so honored. That's cool. So it should be a really awesome show. Um, and when I said you guys made it smaller, I meant that as a good thing. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's small and mighty. I mean, it's four venues, but it's very select. And yeah. there's just every act is going to be amazing. And the thing that we're most excited about is that it's a really diverse lineup. So we've got hip-hop, and we've got noise rock, and punk, and rock and roll, and electronic, and there's even a country band or two in there. So 
Um, it's just, you're going to see all kind of cool stuff and Pittsburgh's best and some awesome touring bands. So how much better do you think the bands are now than they were five years ago? Oh, they've been awesome through the whole time. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it, there's tons of artists to choose from this year. I didn't mean at Ladyfest. I meant in general. Oh. It seems to me that like there are these bands, the, the Pittsburgh bands now are just so phenomenally talented that I constantly am being turned on to a band that I've never even heard of or seen. And I try to get out and see bands. And this band, whoever they might be, will end up being fantastic. Yeah, there's so much great stuff to see in Pittsburgh every single night. We really try to talk about listen local, support your local local music and support your local women and femme musicians this weekend. What better way to spend a summer weekend, right? Okay, what do we have? What are you guys doing? Okay, so we are playing a song called She Says So. Garda Shake, you can check them out on Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram. They'll be at Lady Fest tomorrow night, 9 p.m. at Spirit. Here they are for you now on the Permanis DVE Coffeehouse stage. It's Garda Shake on DVE. Because 